I believe God wants to be seen as great in the earth. And uh, we are his vessels. What's on the inside of us is not uh, hindered at all, which is the power of Almighty God that's on the inside. Not hindered by anything that it will, it will work. The word will work. Everybody say the word works. The word, the living word of God that's on the inside of us, it works in every situation. But, you know, we're vessels that sometimes it's a little hard to see it working in. How many of you would agree? Sometimes might might have to get out your binoculars to see real clearly. But God wants us to know that he has a way already perfected through his word to deliver us from everything that hinders us from being all he called us to be. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight. If you would turn uh, in your Bibles this evening, and we're, we're going to begin with uh, Isaiah I've been speaking about this a little bit in the offerings on Sunday, Isaiah 118, and, um, well, actually 119 and 20. And uh, I believe this word, if we receive it in the spirit that God wants to deliver it to us, it will be a message tonight that will free us from things that have been holding us back from all that God wants us to be. And I don't know about you in my life, but I know there's things in my life that I could improve on. But the Holy Spirit is the one who has to help me in those areas of my life. And uh, when God gives me a word, I have learned over the 30-some years I've been saved that he doesn't give me a word to condemn me. He doesn't give me a word to share with me, to uh, cause me to want to give up. But he gives me words that even though they may be a correction or they may be an enlightenment to things that are hindering me, they're for my good. Everybody say, for my good. And uh, I loved it tonight that we sang that song, that he's good. How often? All the time. All the time God is good. And it says in Isaiah 1, 19 and 20, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land, which I love that one. But then this next one is very important. But if you refuse and rebel, everybody say rebel. You shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know, um, the, the truth of the word of God prevails and the, there's good and there's evil in the earth. In fact, you know, we were instructed in the word of God to choose good and not evil or to choose life and not death. So if there wasn't always a choice, we wouldn't have been told how God wants us to choose. But, but we have that choice to make not just when we receive Jesus, but every day after that, that we live for Jesus because we have an adversary. We have an enemy that's in the world. And how many of you know the devil is alive? He is also the accuser. Everybody say the accuser. He's the accuser of the brethren. And uh, when, when he gets in control of situations, he causes us to remain in the flesh. Everybody say in the flesh. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I would have to say there's a lot of days where I hear the accuser yakety yak yakking in my ear. How, how many of you would say that? And uh, sometimes it's hard to shut that voice off because it's true. How, how many of you have had the enemy? You know, when he comes to accuse, he usually accuses us of things that really are true in the natural. Everybody say in the natural. That's how our flesh is behaving. You know, that's the way we're acting. However, our spirit never sins. The spirit man on the inside of you, that's why it says in the, in the book of Romans that once you're born again, you will not sin. Your spirit man cannot sin. But your spirit man has to renew your mind to tell your flesh that it's not supposed to sin either. And when you get saved, you're 100% saved. But your flesh is not 100% saved. And your mind is not 100% saved. 
It has to be renewed by the word of God. And uh, God has been speaking to me just recently that, you know, the longer we walk this walk that we're in, we are approaching the day of Christ's return. We're closer today than what they were in the word of God. Uh, You know, every day we get closer. I don't know the day, so I'm not up here, you know, telling you that, you know, by the end of the summer we'll all be raptured or one of those, you know, kind of messages because I've never heard God speak anything like that to me. Only thing I've heard God say is, be sure you're doing what I told you to do when I come. That's all I've ever heard. Just be doing what I told you to do when I come. You don't have to try to figure out anything else. And so that's the way for me that I have just asked the Lord every day that I would be doing what he asked me to do when he arrives. And, and I know every day he has things for me to do, has things for you to do also. But I also know that the way I live my life here on earth for him has to be in agreement with him. Everybody say in agreement with him. And, you know, the Bible says it's in Amos 3.3, 3, but God himself said, um, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Now, you know, in that particular scripture, God's speaking to Israel. These are his chosen people. And so if you could just bring that over into the new covenant, we are God's, once we receive Christ, we're God's chosen people. It says we're a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And so if we bring that over into the new covenant, God would be speaking the same thing to us. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? And what had happened was Israel was so rebellious. They never would do what God told them to do. And, you know, that's all I ever saw was they're just rebellious. They just don't ever obey what God tells them to obey. And, you know, I just thought, you know, if you don't obey, then you're going to get in trouble. I was a teenager once. I spent half my teenage years in my room because I was rebellious. Everybody say rebellious. I know how to do that. You know, and uh, and and then I spent some adult years doing the same thing. So I understand that word. However, I also know that God does not want a rebellious house. He wants a house. He said he's coming for a church that's without spot or wrinkle washed by the blood of the lamb. So when we think of our agreement with God, that means we have to walk in unity with what God thinks, what God says and what God does. And what it says in the commentary, my Bible, back there in Amos 3, it says, God elected Israel to be his people, but they were not walking in oneness with Yahweh. In fact, they were heading in different directions. Their talk of religion was out of harmony with with what should have been their walk of moral and social righteousness. And it goes on, it says, it's a travesty to say we belong to God and then not walk with him. There can be no unity with one another until we all walk with God. And so when we say, you know, the word of God and we're, we, we claim the promises of God, but we're not really walking with God in agreement, then we're going to be in this place where it talks in Isaiah, which we just read, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. However, if you rebel, everybody say rebel, then you're going to be devoured by the sword. That doesn't mean God is going to get a sword and cut you up. That means that the devil will have you for lunch every day. He will devour you. He is the accuser of the brethren. He will accuse you continually because he knows where your weaknesses are. Is that not true? How many of you can be having the best day ever? And then this little voice chirps in your ear something that just takes you right straight into into the pit, so to speak. And then you begin to respond to everything based on that little voice that you heard. I've, I've had a lot of um, 
examples in the last couple of weeks of what God has been sharing with me. And I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1. And I want to talk to you tonight about unholy alliance. Everybody say unholy alliance. An unholy alliance. Now, uh, I was in Tulsa, and this is just kind of the way God shares with me. I've been seeking God about some things and um, just asking him some questions. And, and I have found when you want to know something from God, you ask in faith and you believe. Like Pastor John preached on Sunday, you make your petitions, supplications known to God with thanksgiving. And then it goes on and it says, and then you think on everything that's good, of a good report, you know, the things that are productive. And I have found that if I spend too much time trying to find the answer, I get all confused in my thoughts. How many of you found that out in yours? You know, the more I try to find out, the more confused I get. But I've also found the opposite of that. If I ask and I leave it with God, all along my walk throughout different days, he drops little pieces, little tidbits into my life that bring the answer to me when I least expect it. Everybody say least expect it. And so um, as I was, this just was a, a teaching God gave me. And I've, I feel to share it tonight because I don't think we're going to see God great if there's too much flesh. Everybody say you can't see God great if there's too much flesh. You know, you can't even hear God if you're tormented in your mind. And that's flesh. Everybody say that's flesh. See, torment isn't a spirit thing. Torment is of the enemy. And so anytime you get in that realm, if you're tormented, you are not going to hear from God. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a fact. See, whatever you hear in that state is going to be screened through evil. And it's not going to come out. You can't just get it to come out good because it's, it's through that process. So we have to begin to, to know the enemy's ways and see how he works. And this is what it says. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. And then he brought her to the city of David until he'd finished the, building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Now, that doesn't sound all that bad, does it? I mean, he, he made a treaty with Pharaoh. It even says in my commentary, in the Eastern practices, Solomon sealed many of his political alliances with marriages. However, everybody say, however, what does the word of God say? See, it's always important. What does the word of God say? And uh, I was in Tulsa the third weekend of May for my uh, grandson's graduation. And Pastor Sharon was preaching, Sharon Doherty. And, uh, and, and I was listening. Everybody say, you ought to always be listening. Even if you think you've heard it before, you, you need to be listening. And uh, so I'm listening. I've got my notepad. And when she said that word, she read it from the NIV, which I, I'm reading through this year. Now Solomon made an alliance. Everybody say an alliance. When she said that word, it was like somebody turned a light bulb on in my brain. And it was just one word. Everybody say one word. But it was alliance. And uh, she was talking at the time, actually, about a fork in the road and how we all come to forks in the road at times. And, and she was talking about how Solomon, you know, she said, and she made this statement, that he had come to a fork in the road. And he made a decision that led him to a place of destruction. Now, you know, right here, we're not, we're not even given any idea that's going to happen because it goes right on in that chapter, and it says, God, ask him, what shall I give you? And he said, I want wisdom. And, and, and the ability to have an understanding heart for these people tells the whole story of how Solomon, you know, of course, he's the man that was the king with the most wisdom. 
And so we know Grant, God granted that request. And, and it said, because you've asked me for this, I'll give you wealth and riches. But there was a condition to that, that he obey him like his father David obeyed him. Now, David, of course, was a man who inquired of the Lord, sought the Lord for answers when he ran into situations. He, he was a man that really looked to God, and he had trained his son to do the same thing. So his son is saying, this is what I need from the Lord. And he inquired of the Lord sometimes, but sometimes he didn't. Everybody say, sometimes he didn't. <clears throat> and when he didn't, by the end of the story, and Pastor John actually shared some of this, uh, I think it was on Father's Day, out of this particular scripture. But when he didn't seek the Lord, this unholy alliance that he made with this King Pharaoh of Egypt, everybody say Egypt, Now, he made that alliance, number one, with the place that God said never go to Egypt. Everybody say never. He told Israel always never go to Egypt for help. I'm your help. Never go to Egypt. In fact, in Isaiah, he said, woe to you. Everybody say, woe. Woe to you who go down to Egypt looking for help and devise plans that are not of me. And you, you go down there and you trust in the horses of Egypt. Now, let's look what, how Solomon ends up beginning in a way that's going to follow God. I mean, seeking God. But he had made a mistake. Everybody say he made a mistake. He made an unholy alliance for political reasons. Everybody say political reasons. See, if you're making an unholy alliance with someone for political reasons, you're saying that you need them for help. Amen? Now, this message isn't a political message. However, I do encourage everyone in this congregation tonight to be praying for what's going on in our government, in the United States of America, and for the election that God has given us this year that determines the direction of this nation, which we are responsible for. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am responsible for the direction of this nation spiritually. I have a responsibility. And that is truth. God said, if my people who are called by my name. Now, when people make unholy alliances for political reasons, they may benefit on one hand, but they open the door to the enemy to have a place to come in in the future. Everybody say in the future. And we're going to take care of this tonight. So don't anybody worry. If you've made an unholy alliance, we'll take care of it before we leave tonight. Okay? Okay. Hallelujah. I've already had to take care of a few. So here we go. Um, see, God doesn't reveal his word to hurt us. He reveals his word to help us to stop things that are not good. And so if you go to verse 10, verse 28, it says, um, now, now Solomon, I, I just like to say he, he, you know, he was a, a king who wanted to help the people, but he was very self-absorbed. Everybody say self-absorbed. And you know why I know that? Because he made decisions that made his life better at the expense of everybody else in the nation of Israel. And this became very costly. Everybody say very costly. He says, also Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kiva. And king's merchants brought them to Kiva at the current price. Now a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse 150. And thus through their agents, they imported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Now, we're talking about this king has an alliance, a holy alliance, with God Almighty. Because God put him in charge of the nation of Israel. 
all the people, all the tribes, the 12 tribes. So he has a godly alliance or a holy alliance that he has made. Everybody say a treaty, a compact, a covenant. That's what it was with God. But he also has this unholy thing running along right with that at the same time. And this is what the unholy thing did. It says King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of the daughter of who? The daughter of Pharaoh of Egypt. See, his first foreign wife was the daughter of Pharaoh. And now it says he ends up with women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, or however you say that, Sinodians, and the Hittites. From the nations of whom the Lord had said, everybody say the Lord had said, to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor, sh- nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700, of course, Pastor John read this, 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. You know, he, oh my goodness. I mean, that would be enough to make you want to run away. Amen? 700 women. Well, no, I guess that's a 1,000 and some. And he, but, but this is, this is the point. Remember it said that, that they would marry for political protection, for political gain. And so who knows how many of these marriages were for that. He was trusting in the, the things that were, he could see the people, everybody say people he could see, but the God who had made the promise had told him, don't do these things. And, and God began to show me. He's, and I've, and now I've been in the old covenant here for what, since the first of the year reading through the Bible. And, and it's the first time it really became real to me. You know, the thing that really ticks God off, I'm convinced is when we don't trust him. That is the bottom line. Everything God does is to, to, um, test our trust. And, and Solomon, when it, when it came to what he wanted, when it came to that that he had made that unholy alliance. He had already made a decision that he was going to do what God told him not to do because this was not a new commandment. This was from the beginning back in Deuteronomy seventeen seventeen. God said, don't marry, do not marry, and do not take many wives. Well, I think that would be over the limit right there. You know, probably many. I don't know what many meant to God, but that's more than probably many. And he took many foreign wives. Many foreign wives. And so in, in that alliance, it said Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Now, you know, David made a mistake way back there. I don't have time to really go show you it in the Bible tonight, but I'll tell you about it. He just made a decision to number the, the army of Israel. And once he made that decision, he realized he had disobeyed God. Everybody say disobey God. And, and when he was told, you have disobeyed God because you did this, he repented. Everybody say repented. Now, the difference I find in the word of God, I find nowhere where Solomon really repented of what he was doing. So God is merciful. You know, when we repent, David repented. David, it says, was a man who followed God's heart. But this, this, this young man got off track because of an unholy alliance. Now, as you go on, it says that because of what he did, God was going to take the, the kingdom away from him, but for the sake of his father, David, he wasn't going to do it in Solomon's reign. He would do it 
in the reign of his son. Now, his son's name was Rehoboam. Everybody say Rehoboam. And we're going to talk about Jeroboam. Everybody say Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Now, what happened as a result of this? This is very serious because when God tore the kingdom apart, then there had to be two leaders. Always before there was one leader. Everybody say one leader. But now there had to be 10 tribes that God promised to a man named Jeroboam. Everybody say Jeroboam. And Jeroboam became the leader of Israel, it was called. And then Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, was the leader of, actually, Judah and Benjamin. That's the only two tribes he ended up with. And everything split. Everybody say everything split. And that became uh, a great warfare between the house of God, between Israel and the house of Judah. And, and so, you know, what, what God intended to be in unity ended up split apart. Everybody say split apart. All because of an unholy alliance one man decided to make over women. Over women and horses. My, kind of an odd combination, isn't it? This is what my Bible says. The greatest kingdom of the known world began to crumble, not from external opposition, but from internal weakness. Not only was Solomon prohibited from multiplying horses, which the word of God says, and there's, there's uh, places to look for that in the Bible. It's, it gives those scriptures. But it was also forbidden for him to marry many wives. The reason for this restriction was that pagan wives would lead him away from God into idolatry. Everybody say idolatry. Now, idolatry is just plain and simple, too much flesh. Everybody say, too much flesh. (laughs) Too much flesh. You know, when Pastor Sharon shared about him, uh, she talked about the process of of a bad decision. Everybody say, a bad decision. She said, you know, if you're led by reasoning, you can be led away from obeying God. That would be the next thing. You get led away by lust. Because once you get led away... From God, then you're over in the kingdom of darkness, which is where lust prevails instead of love. Everybody say lust instead of love. And then led away by other people's directions once you get into that position. Now you say, well, why, why is this important to me? Well, I believe that, um, I believe what Corey's, the song, first song Corey, that with Corey's we did tonight was, I can hear the sound. Everybody say, I can hear the sound. Now, God a few months ago, really spoke to me a word about he's getting ready to roar. He's going to get ready to roar. And that when he roars, everybody's going to know who he is. Well, you know, when God speaks things in, into your heart and, and you hear from God, then God will follow up on that with, again, little pieces that come along the way. And uh, the other night I was in the car with my daughter or with my granddaughter, and she said, Grandma, I want to play a song for you that we sing over in the youth, and I, and I wish we sang it in church, in this, in this part of church. And I said, okay, so she puts it in, and we had been doing fire, fire, fire in the house. How many of you remember that song? I mean, she loves it. She cranked it up. Her, me, and Molly, we're in the, in the car. Fire, 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 going down the street. Well, the next thing we're singing is, is, is it He's Still God or God? What's the title? God's Not Dead. Oh, hallelujah. Everybody say, praise God. And, and so, but then the next thing I hear is, and I'm about, he's about to roar. Oh, glory to God, about jumped out of my car. I said, Annabelle, you're right. Now, this is out of the mouth of a 16-year-old. 
who just has said to me what God said to me about four or five months ago. Now, that song's probably been out there. I didn't hear it before. I've, I heard it now, loud and clear. We get the bass cranked up when Pop isn't in the car, and we go for it in there. But, I, you know, see, now these kind of things, these kind of things stir me up because these aren't things I'm thinking up. These are little tidbits God's given me to cause me to just get so excited I can hardly stand myself. But then God says, but there's things that have to be done. Everybody say things that have to be done. Back when he told me about the roar, he said he, he shared some things with me that would have to be done. When there's too much flesh, the Spirit of God is not allowed to move in your life and my life. Everybody say too much flesh. Too much flesh. And, uh, and so I, I really didn't have this too much flesh thing, but I could see this very clearly, unholy alliances. Jeroboam... God told him that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you those ten. I'm going to give you the ten tribes, and you're going you're gonna to run Israel. You're going to be the king. And you know what it says? He, he decided, after, after he was told this, it said that he decided that, um, well, what it, he had this thought. Everybody said thought. Now, Pastor John preached on thoughts on Sunday. Don't take thoughts. He had a thought, and it was, well, you know, what if, they, what if after I'm the king they decide to go back? to Israel. Everybody say a thought. See, that, that's an unholy alliance. God said to me, a, a thought can be an unholy alliance because it yokes you to a lie that the enemy's perpetrating in your heart. And there is no one you want to be hooked up less than with the devil. I mean, you do not want to get hooked up with his thoughts. And, and, and he got that thought. He ended up totally destroyed also in his life as the king. And Rehoboam, he decided that when his father died, he'd take counsel. He, the, Jeroboam came to him, and they, and, and they tried to, to make an, kind of an alliance between the two of them. And, and so he, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, he, just, he never says he inquired of the Lord one time. Never inquired of the Lord. What he did was he called the elders, and they said, you should do what your father did. Then he went over and he asked the young guys, and they said, you shouldn't do what your father did. You should tell them if your father, if they thought your father was a bad guy, wait till they see you in action. How many think that's just great advice right there? And so the, the bottom line God showed me was it wasn't that the elders were right or the young guys were right. It was that he shouldn't even been asking them till he knew what God said because he served God and not man. And when you are a leader, you cannot consult flesh and blood before you know what God says. If you're here today and you're a parent, you're a leader. And you should never do anything unless you know what God said. Before you consult anybody. Before you take counsel. Counsel's good. But the counsel of the Lord is first and foremost. Because that is an alliance that you have made when you said yes to Jesus. And that has to be the first priority in our lives. And, and so God just began to speak all this stuff to me. And, and he, and I've really been believing that we're going to see a mighty move of God. I believed it for a long time, but I've never probably been one to say, you're going to have to get the flesh out of your life. You know, I'm, I'm a positive preacher, you know, uh, preaching words of exhortation and all this. And God said, this is how you exhort them. Now get the flesh out. That's exhortation, in case you didn't know it. Turn to your neighbor and she say, that was exhortation. That was exhortation right there. And the reason for that is God is about to move through his people like he never has 
before. Now, I know you may be here and say, well, God could use a donkey. Yeah, he could. But, you know, there's not a lot of donkeys running around Lafayette right now speaking for God. But there's a lot of believers who ought to be. A lot of us who ought to, you know, have take every opportunity we get to share Jesus because there's a world dying going to hell if we don't do something quickly. And we don't know the day when he'll come. And uh, so I was, I was down in uh, Florida, and uh, I, I was just riding with a friend. We went down to minister to a lady. And uh, actually, we went to pray for her because she wasn't feeling well. So we took, a, we took a detour and went from where we were in Florida on the West Coast, went all the way to the East Coast over to Fort Lauderdale. And we were with these friends, and we were in the car, and we were, we were driving down toward the, the Atlantic. And uh, she said, well, you know, when we moved here from VBI in Tulsa, we ended up in that building right there in the penthouse. Everybody say the penthouse. I, I don't know how they got there. She said she didn't know how to get, they got there, but her husband got them there. And in that penthouse on the 26th, 27th floor, they had two floors because it was so big. They looked over the Atlantic. They were right on the beach, right on the beach. And uh, she said it was just beautiful. And uh, one day her husband was out walking on the beach. She was telling, him, telling us the story. And she said he was on the beach. And, and he looked up, and there was Pastor Sharon Doherty standing in another building right down from theirs on the balcony, both hands raised, praising and giving God glory and singing. <laughs> he looked up there, and there she was. And so he hollers up, Sharon. And she looks down and starts laughing. Well, anyway, they get together, and they go over to their house. And uh, have dinner over at uh, Florence and Joe's. Well, while they're there, Florence, uh, they were commenting how beautiful this place was. I mean, on the beach, the water's rolling in, such a beautiful view. And, uh, and, and she said, I told them, I don't know why, but I'm not real comfortable here. I don't feel comfortable in this place. And uh, she said, I know they thought, you know, how could you not be comfortable in a penthouse on the Atlantic Ocean? I mean... <laughs> That'd be pretty hard, wouldn't it, to be not comfortable? But she said, I never felt comfortable. And Pastor Billy Joe turned to her and said, just that quick, too much flesh. And as soon as she said that, God said to me, that's what has got to change, too much flesh, too much flesh. It just was like it just like somebody, again, just threw cold water up, too much flesh. And it was like the answer to a lot of things I've been seeking, which I'm not going to share tonight. But, but too much flesh. Everybody say too much flesh. So anyway, I came back, and, and just like I always do, I wrote that down, and I wrote that story down. And, and so I was in the park, and I was praying, and, uh, and then I began to just write what I felt like the Lord was saying to me. And I wrote down this story, what she said, and, and, uh, and then my pen wrote, because <laughs> I didn't want to write this. I promise you, I didn't. It was, you've gotten in the flesh. Now, I didn't want to write that. I wanted to write, everybody else is in the flesh. And you are the revelator of that truth. So you might want to tell them, hallelujah, that they're in the flesh. I thought, that is not fair, God, because I'm getting a revelation here. And I, now I know why it said, and Paul had this thing that attacked him that he said so he wouldn't have too much revelation and get too proud. No, just kidding. I know that God spoke to me and said, you have gotten in the flesh and you're in trouble. And what he said was, the flesh has just exponentially moved into the earth. I mean, it's flesh, flesh, flesh. 
And he, he began to speak to me. He said, and it's in the church. And when the flesh gets in the church, then it's too much flesh. We cannot live where there's too much flesh. And so he went on, and, and he really spoke to me several things, which I'm not going to share tonight. But, but this is what he said to me. Move off the beach. And I remembered what Florence said. She said, God moved us off the beach. Where they live now, they don't have the view of the Atlantic. They're not 27 stories up. It's not a real pretty view. But the flesh is not there. And so what, what, what I, then what I heard was uh, flesh is naked. Flesh is naked. It has no power. It cannot do anything for God. But the, the spiritual man, God clothed with righteousness. And righteousness makes you powerful and anointed to do what God has told you to do. And he said that I remembered Florence. She said it was the nakedness on the beach. I could see the beauty. I could see the waves. I could see a lot. But I could also see the nakedness of people on that beach. And they didn't even care what they looked like. I'm li- we are living in a naked word world. Uh, it is a, this world is naked without Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, there is a holiness and a place of righteousness that we have to walk in that causes us to live and be and do so that we are quickly identified as walking with the living God, that we are quickly identified as the people who have their heart turn toward God. And, and when God began to speak to me about this, when he said to me, you've got in the flesh, when, when we first ch- changed the church to Pastor John from me, um, God said to me, uh, and, and I, didn't, I didn't, at the time I didn't think much about it, but he said, if you don't stay in the spirit, you will not be able to do this. That's what he said. If you get into the flesh, it'll crush you. I thought, well, how hard can this be? I mean, we're just going to switch, you know, leaders here. And John's always been here with us. But I'm telling you what, there was a battle when we came here and my husband was the pastor. There was a battle when I was the pastor. And there's a battle with Pastor John as the, as the pastor. And so it, it shifted into another realm. But you cannot get in the flesh. Everybody say, do not get in the flesh. See, what God says is what it is. And you have to stay in the spirit no matter what you see, no matter what you feel, no matter what. You, that's why it's so imperative. If you're sitting here tonight and you do not know what God's saying to you for today, for tomorrow, for your life, it is imperative that you find that out. Because otherwise there will be too much flesh. And where there's too much flesh, how many of you have ever heard somebody who gets saved and they're doing really, really good? And then they go into something in the past and they end up right back into it. And you think, how could that happen? They were so strong. I'll tell you how. Because there was an unholy alliance. And that thing came back to bite them when they got in position where the enemy knew that weakness is there. And he snagged them again. Snagged them again. See, I believe that God, we have an opportunity like we've never had before in the church. But we're going to have to make a determination. I'm going to move off the beach. I'm moving off this beach. Now, you know, I was in a position just recently to counsel with a person. And, and they said it was a situation with a child. And they said um, the child had done some things. And, and, and the, you know, the, the parent had said, you know, you can do this, but these are the conditions. 
but then the child didn't do those conditions. And so when it came time to be rewarded to get to do that thing, the parents said, no, you're not doing that because you did not meet those conditions. But then got double-minded because their heart was sad because the child didn't get to do it. Now, are you listening to me? This is everyday life. This isn't about being real spiritual. But I'm telling you, you can make an unholy alliance and get in agreement with the enemy and loose that child to go do what you already told him and teach them that what you're training them to be is not who they're supposed to be. But you feel sorry. Your emotions, emotions will haul you down the road of unholy alliances like that. They'll change your mind every minute. And, and so in this situation, it went from I'm going to let them, I'm not going to let them, I'm going to let them, I'm not going to let them. And finally, this was what my counsel was. Absolutely do not let him do that unless you have total peace. Because I trust the Spirit of God. There will not be total peace if you're not doing what God says. He will warn you of an unholy alliance. He will. And he'll also warn you when there's too much flesh. I just share this word with you tonight because I believe that um, God's requiring us to go a level, another level in our thinking, in our talking. I know he is with me. He said, you got loose lips. You're going to have to get them under control. Oh, I hate these things. I mean, I hate to even admit this to you, but it's the truth. Now, you know, I'm not loose lip cussing and saying, all. and, and please, you know, I'm not, I'm not filthy mouthed and I don't take people out giving them obscene gestures or anything like that, but... <laughs> I do occasionally say something about somebody that God didn't say about them. Every now and then. Or I notice something and, and I make a statement that I shouldn't make. You know, because God loves all people. And that's not that. You know, I set myself up in a bad place. Now, I want to walk with authority. I want to be able to walk in a room and if I see a devil... I want to be able to say, stop in the name of Jesus. I bind you. Loose her in the name of Jesus. She is free to be who God called her to be. And I don't want some unholy alliance back here saying, well, who are you? Paul I know and this person I know, but who are you? I don't want that. Now, that is going to cost me changing my loose-lipped opinions because God said to me, be, watch out. Opinions are flesh. Turn your name and say, opinions are flesh. Truth is spirit. And what God says is the truth, and what man says is nothing but loose-lipped opinions. Aren't you glad I learned all this so I could tell you? Say amen. Amen. I believe God is saying, I'm coming for that church without spot or wrinkle. But he did say to me, you're going to have to speak what I tell you to speak. See, a long time ago, he said, I'm going to give you a voice. And I'm going to tell you what to speak. And you have to say what I say. Well, you know, I like to say what he says, but I like to kind of code it so that everybody can like it and still like me when I'm done. But God said, that's not the way it's going to be in these last days. Our dog got sick this week, and I'll close with this. When she got sick, the vet said, if you just put this food over her other food, she'll eat both of them because the food on top has some fat in it. Of course, I understood this message. And, and so the fat made the food taste better. How many of you know McDonald's is great? I mean, those French fries are something, aren't they? But, but 
They, they have a lot of fat. Well, when we did that, our dog went, ate it all up. See, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful in what we're doing, that we're not letting what God's saying to us coat so we can eat what's underneath there a little bit easier. Mm-mm. Let's stand. Father, I thank you tonight for every person here. I thank you, Lord, that we are obedient to the word of God and to the will of God because we want to see you great. Now, Lord, I know that, that we can, you know, put humor with what we're saying. And, and, uh, and, and I know that, that there's people here just like me. You know, we, we've all come to a certain place in our walk with God. And, and all you're saying to us tonight is, I, I want to take care of anything you've got connected with that you shouldn't be connected with back there somewhere that's now manifesting in your life and holding you back from everything that I have for you. Now, I don't know what those things might be in your life. And you know what? I'm sure Solomon didn't even remember. You know, at, down the road about Pharaoh's daughter that he had married, being a foreign woman, he might not even have thought of that. But boy, there was sure a plan of the enemy to use that in his life and tear down whatever God was going to do to bring him to an end. The Bible says in Galatians 3, having begun in the spirit, will you now finish in the flesh? Maybe you're here tonight and you started out trusting God. But then because that wasn't going the way you thought it would go, you begin to trust in man. And now you find yourself maybe even in a place kind of like Solomon did, where he got to the end of himself, had a whole bunch of wives and a whole bunch of horses, but he had no peace and he had no power and his life was a shipwreck. Maybe that's where you are tonight. Maybe you've gotten yourself in a position financially where you've borrowed way too much money. And now you're in this unholy alliance and you don't know how to get out. Maybe you got in a relationship and, and you, re- you realize, you know what? This is an unholy alliance I've gotten myself into and I don't know how to get out. Whatever it is, God has the ability to get you out. He has the ability and he has the desire for you to walk free of your flesh. That part of you that says, well, I I don't know if I can trust God fully. So I'll reach out for man in whatever form that is. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.